Hello, and welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. My name's Jay Wetter, and our topic today is spring frost risk and seeding date. With me are... My name is Autumn Barnes. I'm an agronomist with the Canola Council of Canada. I am based in the Banana Belt in Lethbridge, and I cover southern Alberta, which is everywhere Calgary South um, with the Canola Council. I am Ralph Wright with Agriculture and Forestry, the Engineering and Climate Services Division. I run the Agrometeorological section. Okay, Autumn, we'll start with you. Um, there's always a question every year of when to start seeding or what's the right time to start seeding. Um, when it comes to that question, uh, is end of April a reasonable time in your region? Uh, in southern Alberta, I don't really, I, I think it is reasonable. Um, this year, because it was so dry and soils were so warm, we did have uh, we did have some interest in seeding uh, canola, in my opinion, too early. Uh, there were some talks of it on the week of the 4th to 8th of April. Um, and, and I know that uh, today is the 25th of April, Monday the 25th, and there are, there are canola acres that have gone in in southern Alberta. And as far as this week is concerned, we've got good soil temperature. Um, well, we've got a little bit of rain, depending on where you are. So we, we've got decent soil moisture. But um, if it were me, I would be seeding canola this week in southern Alberta on, on most years, unless soil temperatures are really cold. Last week was another another was a bit more of a question, I guess, um, whether or not it's a good idea to be seeding canola on that uh, second to last week of April. And, and that would be something that I guess you could argue about every year and you'd have to take a look at your soil temperatures and your forecast um, and your probability of frost, uh, which we'll talk about with Ralph a little bit later. Yeah, the, that probability of frost is, is a big part of the decision, right? Because I mean, the actual temperature um, in April can change year to year, but that frost risk is, is one thing that has to be considered, especially if you're seeding in early April, it seems like conditions are right. That frost risk really uh, doesn't necessarily go away. Is that right, Ralph? Yes. Uh, well, uh, it does go away at some point, of course. I mean, once you're <laughs> once you're in July, yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, that being said, if you look through the meteorological record, uh, and, and there's an awful lot of data there, but it's common belief that July is the only month in Alberta that we haven't seen snow uh, on the agricultural areas. And I guess in answer to your question, when does frost risk start to go down? The question is, what do you define as frost? Uh, a minus three uh, frost, generally by the time you're into uh, Oh, early June, you pretty much have zero risk. And you wouldn't want to wait that long necessarily, eh, Autumn? No, I would I would not be uh, seeding canola in June in southern Alberta. I know there's some areas where if you're reseeding, you could be, you know, if you're reseeding because you have a frost or because you have some sort of other issue, uh, some farmers might be seeding in early June. But in southern Alberta especially, I think, you know, we're lucky in that we can get out to seed a little bit earlier because the later we go after that first week of May, um, the higher risk we have um, when, when it comes to July. We get a lot of heat blasting or we can get a lot of heat blasting down here in pot abortion in July. So seeding late can actually be a, a big problem as well. Right. So the, in southern Alberta, canola typically will go in um, ideally that late April, early May. Uh, but I, would, I want to get into this frost. So if, if the risk of frost is, uh, you know, Ralph, you, you had talked um, 
about sort of the one in four or the one in 10 year risk approach versus just the typical date or the normal date of, of a last frost? How would you, as a grower, adjust your approach based on that? Well, I, risk is always uh, is about uh, estimating what the probability of failure is or the probability of success. And uh, often in, in a lot of the meteorological information we get, we get average dates. So, uh, for instance, for Lethbridge, the average date of the last spring frost, that's minus 3 Celsius, that may or may not damage canola, is, is somewhere between May 1st and May 3rd. So, so we look at that, I look at a map and I see, oh, May 1 to May 3, average frost date. If I'm not thinking very hard about it, I'm going to go, I'm safe after May, May 1st. Well, if you think about the numbers behind that, average generally means 50% of the dates were before that and 50% of the dates were after that. So when we're looking at average maps, it means just the midpoint. So the average date of the last minus three spring frost in and around Lethbridge is about May 2nd. That means that 50% of the time you're going to get minus three after May 2nd. So that's when we start looking at risk. Are you willing to live with that sort of risk? And everyone's going to have a different level of risk. So that would so be the one that, in two years. The, yeah, that's basically one in two. Yeah, 50% of the time. So some may say, well, you know, that's that's a little uh, risky for me. Maybe I want to go to a one in 10 year. I don't want to lose my crops due to frost more than once in 10 years. Well, that's interesting because if you take the one in 10 year for that same frost for Lethbridge, it changes from about May 2nd to May 14th. And now that's two weeks. And that that's a very, very different map. But we generally don't see those types of maps published. And so May 14th sounds pretty late for starting, but Autumn, if you take the, an agronomy approach there, it's when the plant's actually out of the ground that's that's the key. It's it's fairly safe in the soil or before emergence from, from one of those frosts as long as the soil temperature has been pretty decent? Yeah, exactly. And depending on soil temperature, um, canola might emerge uh, quite quickly or it might take, you know, 10 or more days to emerge. So you really have to factor that in with your seeding date as well. And if, if you're thinking about seeding, um, say it was, uh, you know, the 20th of April, for example, and you're thinking about seeding in southern Alberta and your soils are still a little bit cool um, and, and we know that there's a bit of a frost risk still, it might be, and maybe your forecast is um, is for some cooler weather in the future. You might want to hold off a few days to the week, or or even a full week. Um, but if it's the 20th of April and soils are, are relatively warm, and we've got a nice warm forecast coming, um, that's when you might start thinking about seeding a little bit early. In general, we target around May 1st. That's the number, kind of the magic number that works across all of the prairies, targeting May 1st to seed canola. In southern Alberta, I think we can get comfortable with seeding a little bit before that, depending on the year. Um, and, and in a year like this, <clears throat> certainly there were there were acres going in last week, and there's you know as soon as this uh, bit of moisture dries up, there's going to be a whole lot of canola going in this this week. So um, yeah, it's it's tough. I have a hard time picking a magic a magic date, but I think 
you know, May 1st for the whole prairies, but in southern Alberta up to a week before that, depending on, on the forecast. And this spring was a little unique too in that it's been so dry, so producers are concerned about uh, conserving moisture, maybe getting some canola in the ground while there's still moisture if rain wasn't going to come. And, and luckily, uh, most areas did get rain on the weekend. So that was another factor going into, into seeding decisions um, for seeding early. And, and also, I think, uh, last year, there were a couple isolated examples where people seeded canola very, very early. Um, the earliest I heard was uh, April 6th, which is a little bit scary to me. And, and um, if they didn't have a total wreck, then maybe they tried to do it again. So uh, I think it's really up to the individual producer and, and their appetite for risk. But um, I think it's a safe, a, a really safe bet to, um, you know, always go for May 1st depending on the year, maybe go a week or, or a little bit more than a week earlier in southern Alberta. I think your your point there about uh, the farmer's appetite for risk is key there. So if, if they're okay with a one and two uh, year risk of a minus three on May 1st to 2nd around Lethbridge, then, uh, then they could look at seeding the last week of April and have emergence occurring around that time. If they're They'd rather have a one in 10 year, then they may want to hold off till the first week of May for sure, assuming emergence around that May 14th date that Ralph, you gave earlier. Ralph, do you have the data handy for the one in four? Yes, yes I do. Uh, for Lethbridge, that one in four is going to be about May 9th. Okay. And so, I think what Autumn said about the forecast is absolutely critical, um, but there, there's one thing we need to realize about forecasts, and we do get them two weeks out nowadays. But any of the meteorologists I talk to, they they start getting kind of kind of elusive when you try to ask them beyond a week. And and the general rule is three days, great forecast. Seven days, not too bad. Beyond that, a, a lot of the meteorologists aren't very comfortable. Yeah, and it's pretty hard to predict Mother Nature sometimes, especially a week out. Yeah, and there's an interesting fact here. For most of the province anyways, around May 1st, your frost risk decreases about 3% per day for any given temperature. So as a general rule of thumb, 20% per week. Ralph, for a grower looking for this data, um, I guess the first step is, is your Alberta base. Where do they find it? Well, yeah, and it's only for Alberta at this point in time. It's at weatherdata.ca, and here there's a very large, complete website that will give you um, all sorts of stuff related to frost. In fact, there's 370 hourly stations that are available online by just opening up a map, looking at where the stations are, clicking on a dot, and then you can get uh, your frost probabilities for the spring, for the whole year, right right at your fingertips through a, a nice interface. And another important thing here too is you can also look at what the temperatures were last night or last week or last year and either hourly or daily. So let's say, you know, it got pretty darn cold on your farm and uh, you notice some frost around uh, and, and maybe you've got some fields, you know, 10 miles away, 20 miles away. Do you really need to go check them or how long was that frost last night well you can go on to our website call up uh you know up to five stations in your area and look at the hourly temperatures overnight and maybe you only hit that minus three for for one hour and on either side of that hour maybe you were just touching zero so really was it a severe frost 
or maybe you took a look and wow it was hovering between minus three and minus two for three or four hours and it was actually totally below zero for five or six and that's quite a bit different frost from you know minus three in, in different flavors an hour or two versus you know so six, that, yeah, seven hours that dad data is available and, and yeah. is, is it all driven by these these 370 stations if you go back to 1961, uh, that was that was a period in Alberta's history where the meteorological record was complete enough to do large regional scale analysis. And what I mean by complete enough is there was just simply enough stations on the landscape. But with meteorological data, it's not that easy because over time these stations will move or they'll be discontinued. So it's very difficult to say compare 30 years uh, in Lethbridge to 30 years in in uh, say Tabor or, or Coaldale, you you just can't do it with uh, the station record. It's too too um, hit and miss. So what we do is we do a mathematical technique, whereby we take every township center because townships are easy to reference for everybody, and every single day from 1961 until today, we'll go out and look at the eight closest stations and we'll inverse distance weight temperature, precipitation, humidity, things like that to build a daily meteorological record for for the whole province. And then for frost probabilities, we'll uh, say minus three. Today is April 25th and we'll take a look at the chance of a minus three frost. So we'll go to all of the seasons, April 3rd and beyond, and find out how many of those years had a minus three frost. Well, if it happened to be 22 or it would be 27 or half of the 54 years, then we'd say there's a 50% chance you would have a minus three frost after this particular date. And we do that for all sorts of frost probabilities, zero, minus one, minus two, minus three, minus four, and minus five. Sounds like a lot of work. Does that do computer computers do that for you? <laughs> Luckily, the computer. It's why the computers do it beautifully. You just have to spend some time setting it up, and then press the button, and and it uh, eats all the data up. So I want to wrap up this uh, frost conversation with some a bit of an agronomy message. Uh, and so, Autumn, with regard to say, let's use this minus three frost threshold for canola. Uh, are there situations in the field or even on the calendar where minus three, and Ralph, you had mentioned it, the, the duration of the frost in the night being part of it, but Autumn, can you think of other factors that may reduce that risk? Uh, that might reduce, I can I can talk about what might increase that risk. You know, we had some, some really hot days uh, last week, and I think going from a really hot day to a really cold night is pretty damaging, um, and and I think that's something that uh, that we need to look at when we're looking at our our week long forecasts and making seeding decisions. If it looks like there's going to be some really hot days coming up, it's also important to factor in how cold the nights are going to be, um, because that is uh, where we could get some frost uh, some frost damage. So if the plants are maybe a little bit more acclimatized to the cool, if you bring their their temperature down a little bit more slowly, or maybe there's a few days of cool weather. Um, and then, you know, at night it gets colder. <clears throat> we see that causing less of a problem than, you know, last week we had uh, 29 degree weather. So 29 degrees, if there were little canola 
seedlings coming up out of the ground, 29 degrees in the daytime. And if it had gotten down to minus three at night, I, I oh, suspect yeah. that would have been really damaging. Anything um, about moisture? And, oh, moisture, yeah, as well. Um, well, moisture is really, I think, what is driving our, our seeding decisions this year and why we're thinking about going so early. But in general, if, if a crop is, um, you know, has adequate moisture and is growing um, vigorously, um, it could potentially survive a little bit more. If the crop is struggling to begin with and, and not doing too well and maybe coming up slowly and then it gets it gets some frost, that's kind of another another strike against the poor little plants coming up out of the ground. Ralph, from your meteorological experience, are there other factors, not just the temperature, that can influence frost? Like, is, is, like if you're looking at the data, can humidity be a factor? Or, yeah, or actually, there, there's quite a few different factors. Um, you, first of all, frost obviously is cold air, and uh, if, if you t think of air like water, it helps you understand where frost goes and, and how it pools and accumulates and some of the damage it does. So, so, so if you have a cool air moving into a region through warmer air, that colder air is heavy. And it tends to behave like water on the landscape. It finds the draws, it finds the river valleys, it finds the low-lying areas, and it pools and it flows. If there's a decent wind, the, de the wind tends to disrupt that pooling of cold air to some extent or impede it. So, you know, windy, cool conditions are far better than, than clear uh you know, or, or wind-free cold conditions. And another thing that really promotes the development of frost is you'll have a nice cool system like what we have going through the province right now. Well, it's not, it, it's not the cloudy weather that brings the frost typically, it's the clear, bright skies afterwards overnight. And that allows for a lot of radiant cooling from the Earth's surface. And that, that helps promote frost. And what really helps frost and it's not um, quite obvious is when you get uh, actual frost occurring on the plant surface so when we talk about frost from two perspectives one is below zero that's a frost but a lot of us when we think about frost we look on the ground and we see the white stuff you know it, it, we've had condensation on the leaves or, or on our buildings or whatever that's a different that that's frost as well well it's that condensation that really causes the trouble because it's like if you put a drop of water on the back of your hand it'll evaporate and it gets well, the exact same thing is happening early in the morning when you've had frost condense onto plant leaves it may have been minus three at night but if you've got a heavy frost there as that frost sublimates from the plant's leaf, it actually takes energy away from the plant. And it might actually take the temperature down even below minus three. So you got to be careful from that perspective as well. I never thought of that. And I like the analogy of uh, frost being like water or that cool air being like water uh, yeah. flowing around. <laughs> That's good. It is. It's really neat. So when we do our frost probabilities, one has to remember that they are generalized and they're fairly widespread frost so we can have conditions where we have localized pockets of fairly severe frost and the weather stations haven't done a good job of reporting that that's a great conversation thank you you two is there any last thoughts you would have autumn um i would say just uh have a good idea of what the risk the risk is in your area um you know we talk about southern alberta being uh 
you know, I jokingly said the, the banana belt, but um, we talk, you know, Albert, Southern, Southern Alberta is generally uh, quite a bit warmer or a little bit more mild than the rest of the prairies, but there is a lot of variability within Southern Alberta. For example, if you're further west in the foothills or towards the mountains, um, you're probably going to have a higher risk of frost than if you were further east, um, say Lethbridge, uh, Tabor, and then over to Medicine Hat. 2016 is its own year and we're talking about seeding earlier this year, you know, the last week of April or even a little bit before that. And I think it's important um, when we're thinking uh, and planning into 2017, which is, is still a year away, but, but to make sure we remember that 2017 will be its own year and maybe our soils won't be as warm then. Maybe it won't be quite as dry, so we might not be so worried about moisture. Um, you know, and, and maybe our forecast is going to be a little bit different. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it can't be said enough to really understand the risk on your own farm and and understand your appetite for it. But in southern Alberta, where we do get such warm and hot or hot and dry Julys, uh, I would be really careful about waiting too long to be seeding canola. Ralph, do you have any final thoughts? Yes. Okay. So though this is in respect to. Um, early seeding and frost probabilities. And Southern Alberta is, is a bit of an anomaly from the rest of Alberta, I, hence that's why we have irrigation. Getting crops in early is more important in Southern Alberta than anywhere. And, and one may argue running those frost probabilities, you know, and hedging on that with an edu, you know, with an educated mind, looking at the forecast and getting your crops in early is generally going to bring you benefit because of that hot July and August weather that you're trying to, uh, trying to avoid. Thank you, Ralph. My guests today were Ralph Wright and Autumn Barnes. For more on this topic and to see Ralph's maps and, and graphs, go to canolawatch.org and search for seeding date articles. Look for the article from April 27th, 2016. Thanks for listening. I'm Jay Wetter. <laughs>